0: I've told you many things about me, I'm sure. That I'm a hoax, a freak of nature, most slanderous of all, that I am a weasel. Since I have you here, I'd like to set the record straight. I am not a hoax, nor a freak, and I am most certainly not a weasel. I am a mongoose. For a time I lived in the walls of a farmhouse in the Isle of Man, frightening the residents, stealing bits of food, and making a general nuisance of myself. A whole lot of experts came round to assess me and concluded that I was a delusion brought about by some sort of mass hysteria. I left them some little presents in their luggage to show them when I thought of their theory. All the same, that got rather old after a while, so I hopped on a steamer and headed for America. It's one hell of a country, much better than England. Here they don't bother to say, pardon me, after sticking a knife in a fellow's back. They just walk away and drink whiskey. That's my kind of place. All right, I'll admit, I'm probably not a good person. I think I should get some credit for coming right out and saying that. There's many amoral talking rodents I know who couldn't. All right, that was a lie. I don't know any other talking rodents. I suppose that makes me one of a kind, or at least a novelty. Perhaps you'd like to put me in a glass case, examine me like those experts did, or stick me in a cage and charge admission to see the incredible chattering mongoose. Would that make you happy? Would the world make more sense to you then? Do you accept in your world that mongoose sometimes talk and have psychic powers? And sometimes there's no good reason for that at all? If you don't, then I'm very sorry. There's no explaining me. I am what I am. I am Jeff. I am a mongoose. Now, you may be wondering what I'm going on about. Don't fear, as this is merely a prelude. The story I have to tell is not my own, though you might say I am in a unique position to tell it. My part of it begins in the town of Dexter, Kansas, adjacent to, if not occupying, the precise geographical middle of nowhere. Three lonely figures walked silently from the train tracks in the direction of the town, each step charged with purpose. They were at the end of their journey, or so they believed. One was a girl, not even eighteen, another a woman in dark glasses, and the last a man with a bizarre haircut and shuffling walk. After a long while, the woman broke the silence with a laugh.
1: Huh. Check up. It has to be better than the last town. Or should I say the seventh last? Eighth, I think. We stopped in Emporia. So that almost doesn't count.
2: This Ezra went up from Babylon. And he came into Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king.
1: Should I write that one down? I think that one was just for effect. He likes to feel part of the conversation.
2: And God said unto him in a dream, Yea.
1: Maybe he could try saying
3: something different once in a while.
2: The Lord shall smite thee with madness, blindness, and astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday, as the blind gropeth in darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. And thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee.
1: Golly, be nice, monk. Don't he doesn't mean it. Uh Uh-huh. It's 15
3: Walnut Street, right? That's right. Well, then, I guess we're here.
1: What are you waiting for? Follow me. Good afternoon. Is this Zetzner's Unreal Theater? You have the right place.
4: I am Madame Zetzner. What business have you here? Hi. Do you think you could tell my fortune? <laughs> Why, of course. Please sit down while I prepare the necessary implements. Sure. Uh, <coughs> what? What's that symbol there? The triangle-looking thing. That? That is a Tetractus. Never mind it for now.
0: Somehow, Lottie couldn't take her eyes off the symbol all throughout her session, which involved an elaborate combination of scrying, cartomancy, and even a passable attempt at ectoplasm. Madame Zetzner seemed quite proud of herself by the end of it, but Lottie remained impassive.
4: Your destiny has many layers. Miss Lerman. Miss Lerman.
3: Are you satisfied with your reading? I'm not sure. I thought there'd be more.
1: Yeah. Couldn't you have at least brought out the life-size skeleton puppet? Oh, listen here. If
4: you've come just to have a laugh, I can have Gerben show you the door.
3: Please, madam, that's not it at all. I'm just... I'm looking for something. And I think you can help me. I can tell you are. The Five
4: of Wands makes it all too clear, but... "'I don't know what you want from me. I'm nothing but a poor
3: diviner.' "'Ver—' "'Just a second, Ethel, Madam, have you ever seen numbers in your head and let them take you to another place?'
0: "'When she said this, Madame Zetzner looked back at her in astonishment. "'Instead of replying, she got up and reached for the Tetractus, manipulating it expertly despite her blindness. "'This triggered a secret passage at the back of the shop, down which the cartomancer swiftly disappeared.' Looking at each other, Lottie and Ethel silently decided to follow. Monk shuffled after them. After descending an alarmingly creaky metal staircase, they entered a narrow tunnel lined with several doors, none of which they entered. Instead, they hung on till the very end, where the narrow walls opened out into a vast amphitheater, entirely covered with occult diagrams and numerological equations. In the center of the stage was a curious contraption. It consisted of a metal frame with thick ropes and pulleys attached, the whole giving the impression of something that insufferable Houdini might escape from.
4: Welcome to the theater.
1: Vy Madam... I didn't see this in the advertisement. You might get a whole lot more customers if you put it in.
4: (laughs) This isn't for customers. It's for the aid of
3: people like
4: you, Miss Lerman.
3: How's it work?
4: Quite simple. The traveler is strapped in there. The ropes allow for freedom of movement while in the trance. The markings, meticulously calculated, ensure the greatest efficiency in the focusing of the mind.
3: What's the triangle for? I mean, the... The Tetractus. Mm, Yay. I'm guessing it's important. It is your greatest ally in the other world.
4: A compass of destinations you can always return to, no matter where you find yourself. The numbers it contains are the most powerful in existence. I didn't know there was a ranking. There is much you don't know, clearly. A perfect opportunity to learn... I say. What do you say, Miss Lerman?
3: Yeah. I'd like that.
0: For the first time, she hadn't looked at Ethel before speaking. Displaying an unreadable expression, the older woman said nothing, so began Lottie Lerman's apprenticeship at the Unreal Theatre. In time, that would lead the young Dreamwalker, almost by accident, to a land far away, though not one of the Never Neverland variety more like a desolate stretch of lifeless earth dotted with craters and the occasional dead tree a place where there is nothing living no not even that man in uniform sitting pensively on a discarded shell he may move his head laugh or shift his weight every so often but he is dead all the same when this very much living girl arrived here she could not know she had no way to leave Guarded, yet unconcerned, she walked curiously into the crater, where the uniformed figure was. He watched her as she did so. When she was close enough, he smiled broadly, and held up a partly decomposed
5: hand in greeting. Hello again.
3: Oh. It's you. I remember you.
5: I'm glad. I was worried I hadn't made a strong enough impression.
3: Well, it's also true I ain't met a whole lot of dead people. (laughs)
5: Clearly, you've not spent enough time in the necro world. I commend you for that.
3: Your cough seems better.
5: (laughs) I kicked the habit.
3: Look, you helped me a lot before. I want to say thank you.
5: I hope you didn't come all the way here to say thank you.
3: Actually, I didn't really know how I got here. To tell you the truth, I think I'm lost.
5: Well, that's all right. If you think you know where you're going... You'll never get anywhere here.
3: But I know where I want to go. I just can't seem to find it. That's all.
5: Well, there's your problem. In the domain of dreams, every destination is equally close and equally far. Consequently, travel is impossible without the correct mindset.
3: Oh, teach me then, Mister. Show it's me the
5: major to you, young lady. I didn't die a horrible death at the hands of the dread legion of Penumbra for nothing.
3: Sorry, I'm sorry.
5: Relax. I'm just tooling with you. Sit down. There's a shell right there.
3: Won't it go off?
5: Don't worry. Nothing here has a drop of life left in it. Even the land itself is barren beyond hope of recovery. There was a time when all this was peach trees. The talking kind. Not the best conversationalist, but it was very picturesque, I'll admit.
3: What happened? the Pharaoh?
5: Shh. Careful there. You don't want to give the wrong impression.
3: Which is what?
5: There's many who, who still speak his name reverently down here. Many common folk who pray to him for deliverance.
3: How can they? Even after all he did?
5: You don't know what it's like here in the necro world. What lonely souls still remain here are left grasping desperately for whatever scraps of hope fate tosses them.
3: But not you.
5: Very astute. Unlike that rabble, I'm content in my Stygian retirement. If the vistas are a little gloomy, that is a small price to pay for peace.
3: I suppose so. Do you have anything to tell me, Major? Otherwise I'll have to move on.
5: That would depend on what you want to hear.
3: You said there was a way to go where I need to go. Can you tell me?
5: Of course. But not for free. Why not? Because I don't have to. Because it's more fun this way. Because I need the money. Take your pick.
3: Money. That's it? What the hell use is money for a dead man?
5: Counter query. What is an old mother to a girl who's found a new one?
3: How can you? You're worth cold coffin, aren't you? You're a bad guy.
5: Leave what you like. Anyway, bring me a piece of silver and you'll have earned my respect. Then you can ask me what you like. When you have it, I'll be here.
0: (coughs) (coughs) The Major convulsed for a few moments, then fell back, quite dead. The previously confrontational Lottie found herself staring in astonishment at the corpse, unsure what to think. Around her all remained still. Where was she to go now? Looking around in desperation, she remembered what the woman had told her. Taking the Major's baton, assuming he wouldn't mind, she sketched out the tetractus from before on the harsh ground. Remembering Madame Zetzner's instructions, she bent over it and focused intently on the numbers, her only escape from this suffocating place. But just before her frame of reference shifted, she looked up to the horizon and beheld an inexplicably haunting sight that had not been there before. A crude, megalithic sculpture its empty eye sockets gazing impassively in her direction. Before she could react, her surroundings dissolved into the familiar maelstrom of sound and vision that always accompanied travel between dream worlds. In a moment, she emerged onto a rocky overhang over crashing surf. So disoriented, she nearly tumbled forward into the water.
3: Ah! Uh, Okay. You're okay. Except, I don't remember this place. Oh, no.
0: Yet, despite her misgivings, Lottie turned from the shore and began to head down the steep, rocky path in the direction of the blood-curdling Shriek. She didn't have to. She could perfectly well have just left, I suppose, but I don't think that was an option for her at that moment. It probably never was. Meanwhile, back in the theater, Ethel and Madame Zetzner stood in the shadow of the structure, watching her periodic movements closely.
1: Are you sure it's quite safe?
4: With respect. Künstler. This is the safest way to journey in the realms of the unreal that exists.
1: With respect, madam. You don't know Lieselotte. You haven't seen what she can do. I don't need to see.
4: It's as plain as can be. I, I never heard of anyone staying under so long before. It's like holding your breath under water for half an hour.
1: You mean she could drown?
4: All she has to do is call on the Tratractus and pull herself back up. You trust her enough to do that, don't you?
0: Without responding, Ethel left the stage and headed for the dressing room's backstage. Checking to make sure she was alone, she pulled out a well-concealed Bible, every page covered in annotations and underlined verses. As she flipped through it hurriedly, the light pitter-patter of feet made her turn around in surprise. Yet there was nobody there.
1: Christ, heads. Heads of all things.
2: Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall offer to him? They answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the numbers of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on you all and on your lords.
1: Ah, monk, where have you been?
2: And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land.
1: Mmm, groceries, lovely. I hope you didn't go all the way to Egypt, fuck them.
5: Mm-mm. Mm.
1: The book Yes, I was just looking over your latest editions. I think we're close.
2: And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was.
1: Oh and then what?
2: I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled.
1: Mm. (laughs) Hmm, you cheater. That's Jeremiah, not Exodus. Hmm. But I know what you're telling me. And yes, it is beautiful.
0: She flipped to the back of the book and took out a sheet of paper that had been folded many times. Expanding it, with Monk watching impassively, she added the latest verse numbers to an already bewildering diagram that apparently laid out the schematics for the construction of some sort of building. In the center of it all was an empty circle bound by a square, to which Ethel now pointed with a smile on her face.
1: Only one piece now. The capstone. So close. So very close.
2: The great, the mighty God, the Lord of Hosts, which hast set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt even unto this day.
1: He's got nothing to do with this. This, my friend, is ours.
0: Monk's eyes widened. The ultimate goal was clearer now than ever before. This was the blueprint for a mighty edifice, indeed. A pyramid such as no world had ever seen. Meanwhile, in another of those worlds, Lottie found her way to a cave mouth on the rocky islet upon which she'd found herself, guarded by a wild man covered in swords, axes, and all manner of weapons. He looked almost like a human porcupine, a combination surely invented at a particularly productive pitch-meeting in hell.
6: What have we here? Challenger, dare I say? What joyous news, I shiver with anticipation.
3: I heard a scream. Is everyone alright?
6: I would be the previous challenger. He was a valiant fellow. They all are, really. What happened to him? Isn't it obvious? He died a slow, horrible death. That doesn't mean you have to. You have a spark about you. Something tells me you'll succeed where all the rest failed so miserably.
3: I'm not here for the challenge. I just want to make sure everybody's alright.
6: This is the necro-world, dummy. No one is alright.
3: This is the Necro-world? That can't be right, I just left here.
6: <laughs> there is no leaving here, Fred. Not while our lord remains cruelly imprisoned. The Pharaoh... Precisely! But you can fix that. This passage leads directly to his burial chamber, where the horrendous sovereign sarcophagus rests. Within grasping reach for some sainted hand to pry it open and release us all.
3: It's that easy, huh?
6: <laughs> well, I neglected to mention a few details. Rather, a single detail that's proven a sticking point for all your brave predecessors. Go on. The beast. The very one the Scarlet Knights captured in the boiling depths. Down where nothing can survive. Nothing but those of its kind.
3: So it can't be killed?
6: Anything can be killed. It's just... No one's figured out how yet. The knights left it there to keep us out see. but we'll show those tight-ass bastards. Won't we?
3: It's in there, right? In the cave.
6: Just beyond it. There's a door made of stone. And chained in front of it, the beast.
3: Give me a sword.
6: Certainly. What kind would you like?
3: The sharpest.
6: Well, I'll admit some of these fine specimens have lost their edge in the time they've been here. There's just... So many of you birding to restore Lord the Pharaoh that never have the time to keep them in repair. Well, I'm not sure I'd know how, even if I did. This one. Oh, fine choice. That is the weapon of Archduke Spindlepoint, one of the greatest swordsmen in all of Slumberland.
3: But he still ended up here.
6: Quite. Great tragedy. Someone wrote a lovely poem about it. I can't remember any of it now.
3: That's okay. Not sure I'm in the mood for a story right now.
6: Then are you perchance in the mood to slay fiends from the pit?
3: Now you mention it, I think I might be.
0: Propelled by an almost supernatural confidence, Lottie pressed forward into the cave, the odd guardian following close behind. Once inside, they found themselves in a pitch darkness of many colors, only able to progress by sticking to the walls. They heard all kinds of unnatural sounds. Some more familiar than others.
3: Did you hear that?
0: Oh, it's always like that. Always the same
6: old gibberish.
3: It's radio. Like a whole lot of stations playing at once. I heard that before. In the pyramid.
6: You mean to say you've been to the fabulous Black Pyramid itself?
3: Briefly. And I intend to return.
6: I, <sighs> my, my. You really aren't like the others. I promise you. I don't know why I say that.
3: Somehow, I don't believe you.
6: That is fair. But... <laughs> Please, don't think my sentiment is any less genuine for that. Alright, I won't. Here it is. This, friend, is where I bid you adieu. See you back in paradise, if you win. Wonderful.
3: What the hell did I get myself into? Golly, I, I ain't afraid of you. Come at me. Come at me with all you got.
0: Somehow, even in the total darkness, Lottie saw a giant clawed hand reach forward and take a swipe at her. She dodged it by instinct, though it sent the sword clattering to the ground. Only after did she realize that the force of the blow might have easily crushed her skull had her timing been off. The next attack came from the front and was similarly anticipated. The beast leapt at her with all its might, only for Lottie to slide under it and run to the stone door. Try as she might, though, she could not find any opening in it whatsoever. And now here came the monster again, making up for its errors with redoubled ferocity. Left with no other recourse, Lottie pressed her back to the door and closed her eyes tightly.
3: 512 15 40 72. Five, 12, 15 40, 72.
0: As the beast came at her, she held out a single hand uselessly. To her amazement, it grasped empty air. She opened her eyes and saw the stone door from the other side. She could hear the beast raging just beyond it, yet she was perfectly safe. Somehow, without taking a single step or traveling between dream worlds, she had been transported ten feet through solid rock. Once she'd gotten over her astonishment, something behind her drew her attention. It was the same statue she had seen before, Egyptian headdress and all looming on a great stone dais above her. The entire massive chamber seemed to be a shrine to it. It seemed to be some sort of god. Lottie stared up into its horrible, eyeless face, then down at the offering bowl at its feet, which was stuffed with rotting food, talismans, and congealed blood, presumably from sacrifices. She tried not to think of what would be small enough to be sacrificed in such a small bowl. Without hesitating, she stuck her hand in and began to rummage for anything that might be of use. At that very moment, a rustling came from above, and she scrambled to hide. She'd barely squeezed into an alcove when none other than her nemesis Baron Coldcoffin swooped in, landing gracefully thanks to his wing-like cloak in front of the statue. Subsequently, he got down on one knee and began to pray to it.
7: O oh Lord, I beg thy forgiveness once more. The Oneronot has again eluded me. I know I am most unworthy to be thy servant, O oh Lord of the Infinite Lands. I beg thee, accept this offering of scant compensation. I was so close this time. I swear I could almost, Huh? no, nothing. I was saying, I, I was so close, I could almost touch her silky hair. Almost, by all that's unholy, can't a man have a moment of peace? Who's there? Who's there, I said. Ah, uh, More of you cultists, is it? The pharaohs had more than enough of you. It's time you were all taught a lesson.
0: The baron whipped out his sword and began to prowl the large chamber, scanning it for any who dared to defile the sanctum. Though caught unprepared, Lottie was smart enough to take advantage of the situation and sneak toward the bowl. Once there, she hurriedly plucked out the silver coins Cold Coven had just left and hid in the small groove between the bowl and the statue's hands before he came back around only hope now was that he would not go so far as to search the icon itself. Good at
7: hiding, aren't you? Well, as it happens, I'm excellent at seeking. Can you guess what I do to the ones I catch? I'll leave you to guess. Though I'll just say it involves intestines
0: and an olive press. <laughs> Strangely enough, despite the threat of imminent death hanging over her, Lottie was now perfectly emotionless. She was neither in a trance nor filled with resolve. Her reserves were far too drained for that, yet the overpowering terror that welled up within her was kept in check all the same. (laughs) This was a far cry from the girl who could not bear the agony of her own company when that mad Australian locked her in prison. Perhaps it had to do with the statue. Being near it filled her with dread. Yet she did not want to move away. It was like the statue anchored her here. Without it, she would simply float away into nothingness, into non-existence.
7: Fine, then. If you don't want to come out, I'll wait. I'll wait right here. Just try and test me, why don't you? The Pharaoh knows his true servants. He knows them, and he rewards them. What have you received, hm? What gifts? Ask yourself that, you miserable little devotee. I know one he has anointed. A remarkable woman, one in an infinity. When she receives her true purpose at the proper ceremony, then the worlds words will tremble. Take note, zealot. That will be your deliverance, not something so crude as resurrection. No, no. The pharaoh's means are not such as can be grasped by humanity.
0: All the color drained from Lottie's face, but she did not move. Any motion might alert the killer who lay mere feet away. That would indubitably be the end. Miraculously, she managed to keep that up for hours and hours as Cold Coffin waited silently, equally immobile before his god and master. From the look on his face, he seemed to be enjoying himself. So enraptured was he, in fact, that he hardly noticed the money he had just deposited right in front of him had gone. Finally, a small pinprick of light descended from above and began buzzing in the Baron's ear.
2: Hmm?
7: Is that so? The Lerman woman? What that bear's looking into? Good game, little one. I strongly suggest you leave here before the next time I return. I won't be playing then.
3: Oh, my. He's gone. He's gone. Oh, God. Oh, God. Soul gavel. Soul gavel. Soul gavel. Soul gavel?
0: There was no answer. She staggered and placed one hand on the statue to steady herself. Then she looked up, and it dawned on her. There was no salvation coming. She would have to save herself.